Fuck that, homie. It's in the air tonight. Awesome. Good evening and welcome to another week of the Fake Pigskin Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Asher Curzon, and with me, as always, is Jeremy Hart. How are you doing tonight, Jeremy? I'm doing all right, Asher. Thanks for asking. I think it's pretty safe to say that I'm a little bit better than the unfortunate, sad Sam Bradford right now, and I'm also probably doing a little bit better than uh, the lonely pipe of Josh Gordon. Hmm. I I would say we're both doing. (laughs) (laughs) We're all doing a little bit better than those two guys. I'm very unfortunate for Bradford. No. Sorry about that. I think I did that. Here we go. You can't have other windows open, apparently. <laughs> what you're hearing right now is our esteemed guest and our colleague. Yeah. And, uh, one-time only guest. The, the one-time <laughs> not only. Not returning guest. <laughs> <laughs> the one-time only not returning until the next time because he's already got me grinning like a little schoolboy here right now. You guys all know him, and you know him well. Zach Law, at Zach underscore Law. He is the special guest of the evening. He is the OG, the the OG disciple, if you will, of the Fantasy Pundit interviews. And he's carved out uh, some time for us this evening, and he's carved out his own path of being Mr. Interview. So we figured we ought to bring him on. As of right now, you can find him on fantasysports.org, and that's where he's doing a lot of his work right now. So uh, without further ado, man of the hour, Zach, what's going on, my man? Doing quite well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on the show tonight. Um, you really want to talk about the Titans? All right, I can do it. <laughs> you know, before we get into anything, I think we'd be remiss not to ask, what's your beer choice this evening? Well, this is my uh, first beer foray since my live fancy draft on Saturday, so I'm having some Full Sail Amber. Uh, it's out of Seattle. It's quite tasty. It is a football night, after all, so you can drink. It is the football season, so correct me if I'm wrong, Asher, but it's football night every night until about the end of December now. So basically, you're allowed to drink every single day until December. Yeah, that, that, that is true. <laughs> I concur. Uh, before we go any further, make sure you head over to fakepigskin.com backslash guide. Get your copy of the Fantasy Football Draft Guide for this season. Uh, you can get 32 team rundowns. We're going to have previews readily available for all the teams, all the sleepers, all the rookies, all the dynasty content you want. And the best part about it, guys, it's only 5 bucks. So make a lunch for a day when you go to work and, and don't buy an $8 cafeteria uh, lunch because it's going to taste like crap anyway. So get to Fake Pigskin, get your draft guide, and after you take a look at that draft guide, head over to steelscorpionsports.com. It is a new, hot, fresh, and innovative way to play fantasy football. It is all play fantasy football. There's commercial leagues going on right now and ready for you to join. 
there's even mulligans involved. We had uh, the owner of Steel Scorpion Sports on the show last month, and it's a really, really cool site, so make sure you check it out and head over there. So without further ado, we're going to pass it back over to you, Zaw. Uh, Zach. Zach, I just called you Zaw, so I think there's a first for everything. <laughs> so Jeremy likes to make nicknames for our guests. I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Zaw. I feel honored, Zaw. I guess. <laughs> so Zaw, uh, what were you doing before all this? Oh, before this fantasy football nonsense? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like I, I, I didn't exist before, uh, you know, fantasy football. So uh, I think it was back in the olden days of 2005. Um, I was writing for a site uh, called expertsports.com. And uh, I did that for about a year, and I just wasn't sure what to do next. So I, I kind of started my own blog, and then eventually I was like, well, there are so many people writing about fantasy sports, and why don't I just interview the people who are writing about fantasy sports so then you know, I can pretend I'm an expert, and then I can ask them questions when I need help on starters. So I started the Ask Your Fantasy Football Expert series in 2011, and I don't know, we're like 138 interviews now. So, yeah, we've been going pretty strong, yeah, about one a week. And, uh, yeah, just want to get to know your fellow fantasy footballers. Occasionally ask them a non-fantasy football question, but for the most part, we're talking football. 138 interviews. That's, you know, it must have only taken you a couple of weeks to get through all that. Who, who was your most recent interview? I did uh, Joe Pizzapia, who uh, wrote the Fantasy Football Black Book, and uh, by day, he teaches stage combat. So if you ever want to solve a, an issue, have a friend with trial by combat, uh, look him up. It's a very small world because in my, in my former life, I too was a uh, thespian and also a certified stage combatant with uh, the swashbuckling and, and the long sword. It was uh, pretty wild back in the day. Um, so I go from one dorky thing to the next dorky thing, so that sounds about right. <laughs> so what did yeah. you? When did you decide that you know you you were going to just go all in on this? So you know, 138 interviews. You've been doing this for quite a long time, but you know what kind of kicked it over the edge? Were you just a casual uh, NFL watcher, and then at one point you decided you were going to dabble in fantasy football? What, what took you to the next level to actually sit here and want to do a fantasy podcast? Well, I think uh, part of it was being a Tennessee Titans fan. I was like, man, I really got to pay attention to the other 31 teams because there's, there's got to be some good stuff out there. So I don't know. I just have been enjoying doing the interviews. I kind of enjoyed doing, writing what I want, when I want, because I was writing for my own site. Of course, of late, I've been on fantasysports.org. So, uh, you know, I've got a little more responsibility now, but I just enjoy kind of following the industry and seeing how it's growing and, just the insanity and the nonstop Twitter fun. I'm just so glad I didn't have Twitter when I was in college. Oh, my. That would have been horrible. So, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to interact with people, and uh, this gives me an excuse to interact a little bit more. So we don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but we'll we'll do so because we don't want to make you feel too uncomfortable. But, you know, if you were to pick a few of the your favorite interviews or, or guests, who, who would that be or which interviews would that be and why? Well, I think the first interview I did that I really was like, I just made a get was interviewing uh, Matt Waldman. He was the first guy to do a two-parter because his answers were so long. And I was like, just keep keep writing, keep writing, because I've just enjoyed his stuff at Football Guys. And he actually lives an hour from me, so we should meet someday because I think he actually grew up like about a mile from where I live right now. 
But that was a lot of fun, and actually getting to interview uh, Matthew Berry was cool because uh, he was doing a lot of press for his book. And so I got to get a copy of the book and then finally interview him at like 11.30 on a weeknight because that was the only time he had to do it. And um, the sad part is that we both agreed on a lot of players last year that were going to break out who didn't. We were really big on Lamar Miller, so that was fun. We got to go down to the ship together. No, no, you're just a year late. It's okay. Apparently people are back on. I'm like, oh, don't, eat, don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's still the same Kool-Aid. I don't know. No, we we talked a lot about Lamar Miller last week, so we can do it again. I don't know. No Sean talk is uh is, is warming up. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Yeah, I, I think there are enough carries to go around. Yeah, we um we all know that I'm still drinking that Kool Aid. I'm probably going to drown in that Kool Aid, but um, you know, as long as I got to taste it for a, a good three years with absolutely nothing happening, I'm, I'm going down with the, the Kool Aid ship. That's for sure. I, th- I think Asher is too here. Yeah, uh, you know I prefer the Mil- Miller ship to the Stewart ship, so you know I'm okay with that. <laughs> Jay Stu, indeed. One more round of that. Yikes! Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving all year long, Zaw. Mm-hmm. So, what's your fantasy landscape look like, Zach? Uh, how many how many uh, fantasy football leagues are you in this year, and of which how how many are dynasty? Well, I think what I got. Back into writing about fantasy, I ended up joining probably too many leagues like two years ago. So last year, I just got very strict, and I was like, I have this keeper league I've been in since 2000, and I have a dynasty league I've been in since 2006, and last year, that was it. Those are the only two leagues I did. So this year, I joined the Scott Fish Bowl, and I joined another, uh, like, a Fanium league that had, like, eight owners, and it's pretty crazy. I'm only in one dynasty league, and, yeah, it was this year nine... And uh, sad to say, I've been to the championship game twice, but I haven't uh, hoisted the uh, virtual trophy yet. Very cool. So is that a league? Do you guys get together and do, like, a rookie draft? And how does that work for you? I mean, the longest I've played in one has been about going on the fourth year. So if you walk us through that, that would be pretty cool. Well, yeah, the Keeper League, we started that in 2000, and we've been doing a live draft since 2001. That's the draft that I was at last Saturday, and I was the 14th year in a row we've been able to do that, so that's pretty cool. The Zealots League, I mean, which is the Dynasty League, some of us, some guys have been in a league since the beginning, and I don't think I know what they look like. It's just one of those online leagues. Uh, I'm actually now in a division with a guy from England and a guy from Germany, so talk about rivalries. Uh, and sadly, the British dude won last year for being in the league for two years. I've been there since the beginning, but uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's good to have these long-standing leagues. You get these kind of ongoing rivalries, and you get to remember, oh, remember the time in 2008 when I beat you? You know, Mike Vrabel caught two touchdown passes, that kind of stuff. So it's nice to have that that history. But um, I don't know, I kind of have a little bit of an itch, like, oh, it would be nice to do a startup. I haven't done a startup draft since Julius Jones was a first-round pick. So it's been a while. Uh, are there any particular players you find on either of those teams, guys that you tend to go back to or stick with? I've been you know, listening a lot to, uh, I'm sorry, I'm listening to another podcast. Don't be upset, the, the Under the Helmet podcast. And they are very Good big. And I'm, I'm sure the same as you are about young guys. So this year I traded Matt Forte for the second rookie pick so I can get Mike Evans. 
uh, was an article I wrote on my site a while back called uh, Dynasty Immortality, like trying to draft a guy and then use that guy at the end of his career to draft another rookie and, and in theory, keep that pick forever. Because, you know, Forte is getting up there in age, maybe one or two years left, and hoping that Mike Evans is going to be a top receiver, you know, and that Demarius Thomas, you know, kind of range in a few years. I mean, you make it a little bit of a risk, but it's like, well, I need to work it out. I just had such, I think one thing that happens in fantasy is when you get burned one year, you just remember, my receivers were so horrible last year. I mean, I had Victor Cruz who did nothing, and then Michael Crabtree got hurt. And Kendall Wright in a non-PPR would score 6.2 points every week, stuff like that. So I was like, I am stocking up at receivers. So I, I traded up to get Mike Evans and tried to get as many rookie receivers as possible. I was able to finally ditch Hakeem Nix for like a fourth-round pick, but I got Paul Richardson, and I'm kind of hoping that he uh, turns it up this year. I'm hoping that Seattle's figured out what this Ford Pass thing is all about. I'm just, I'm just thrilled that we got... Mike Rabel and and Julius Jones into the into the podcast. I, I if I would have gone into this thinking that we were going to get some of those names here tonight, um, I, I'd have given out a million dollars. So, kudos kudos for that there. So it, it sounds like you know you, you're really looking to kind of churn some of your value uh, on the team, Zach, and and it's almost like the circle of dynasty life. And taking a Matt Forte and turning him into Mike Evans is something I don't think any of us would would turn down i guess if you're competing for a championship but at, at a certain point you gotta you gotta cut bait maybe a year early before it's too late that's always my philosophy anyway uh for the most part asher's too you're in that dynasty league you've been there building a rivalry with a couple of the guys um one of them who's only been in the league for for two years now and he won it all so what learnings have have you have you had along the way from a dynasty perspective well, it's always about kind of knowing your league, and because we can start up to, like, four receivers, it's like, oh, I need to really stock up on receivers. And running backs aren't as as important as you think. I'm always, but, you know, oh, I need to have three really good running backs, but you don't necessarily need that. And you can rotate guys in. You can, especially in it, because we're in this, I guess since I'm in one dynasty league, I always think about in terms of these, the one league, you know, it's IDP, you have 53-man rosters, so it's really, really deep, and you're just grabbing anybody with a pulse, especially on offense. So I, I think I've been leaning toward getting the young wide receivers and then thinking about the concept of, well, does this guy have, like, two years left? Should I get rid of him? And uh, I was even thinking about, because I got Cam Newton. They actually dropped, like, a second round. You remember how horrible he was in the preseason his rookie year? So I got him kind of late. And that's when I had a bunch of other quarterbacks, and now I'm like, well, maybe I should trade high on him. Well, not right now, because his value seems to be dropping a bit. But the whole concept of can I get quarterbacks? Because the guy who won the championship, he managed to get, like, Nick Foles and Russell Wilson their rookie year. So he got him, like, in the fourth or fifth round of a rookie draft, and you never get a quarterback for the craft. And now he has a nice duo, it looks like, for the, for the near future. So he's always finding those late-round picks that can help you and figuring out, can I get IDP guys off the waiver wire? Most cases, yes. You, know, you want to be strong in those positions, especially like linebacker. But you know, it's always, I don't know, it seemed very wide receiver-centric lately. Yeah, I think it's the way of the NFL, and therefore it should be the way of fantasy as well. And I know there are a lot of leagues out there that are still kind of forcing the issue with running back and still kind of 
forcing, you know, start two running backs. And uh, I'm really a big proponent for getting into a league and, and at least trying to work toward uh, allowing additional flexibility in those lineups because, you know, it, I think there's a little bit more fluidity from year to year. And I think it just overall helps the, the landscape of the league. And then if you want to go out and, and start running back heavy, go out and start running back heavy. If you want to go out and start wide receiver heavy, you know, go ahead and do that. You won't catch me after falling on my face starting running back heavy uh, a couple years in a row. Uh, you, you'll catch me uh, in the wide receiver camp uh, alongside you there. So what about life outside of uh, fantasy football here, Zachary? What what do you got going on outside of fantasy? Is there anything else? No. No. No, the answer is no. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well played. I mean, I mean, by day, you know, I'm in, in email marketing, and I have a wife and two cats and live in Atlanta. And, uh, yeah. Atlanta? Mm-hmm. And you're, and you're a cat man, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of uh, inherited them, but yeah, that's, that's me, cat person. Surprised that one of them hasn't come up to visit during this podcast. They like to be guest stars occasionally. You know, I will say I have a, a 10-year-old Siberian Husky. Uh, we got him because my wife wanted him, and somehow he managed to make his way to being my dog. Um, so now he's mine, but I grew up a cat person. And you know what the hell cats do? They leave you alone. That's why cats are better than dogs, people. They leave you alone. They go and they do wow. their thing on their own. Uh, yeah, so... That's wrong statement. <laughs> uh, so, so are your cats Tennessee fans? Are they watching the games with you? I did take a picture because my family's from Pittsburgh. I did take a picture of my cat taking a nap on the, the terrible towel. I hope that wasn't some kind of uh, blasphemous move. Pittsburgh fans get a little too serious about the terrible towel. It's like, it's just a towel, guys. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, I think that's akin I, to burning. I know it's for a good, good cause and all, but calm down, seriously. Every team does something goofy just like it. I sadly forgot to bring my Titans 12th man stolen from two teams, you know, flag with me. But sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. So, so being a Tennessee fan in Atlanta, does that that a lot of your friends, coworkers there, or they not really give you a hard time about it? I don't know if you're from the South, because when you're from the South, the, the first question is what school did you go to, and what school they're talking about, what school in the Southeastern Conference, and they might know you if you're Georgia Tech. So I'm fortunate, I guess, to have gone to Missouri, which now actually is in the SEC, and after last year, people actually know that they're in the conference. So that's good. So yeah, the pro is definitely a secondary thing. It was like Tennessee, what conference are they in? You know, it's like, in the Sun Belt, yeah, that's kind of how, how it goes down here. They, I don't know. I, I feel like the Falcons could win like three Super Bowls in a row, and they'd still be like, "How's Georgia going to do?" You know? Have you been a Titans fan since the beginning? Are you going back as as far as the Oilers? There is no beginning. Uh, do they even exist? I don't know. Um, I actually, it's 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 a bizarre. I don't know. It's I was in Pittsburgh in the seventies. For some reason, I decided to be a Dolphins fan because I like the colors better. And then once Marino and Shula left, I was like, yeah. And they even changed their logos, and they wouldn't even wear the cool, like, dark teal they used to have. They, they just, I don't know what happened to them. So I switched, because my parents moved to Nashville, and that's right when the Titans got there. And I kind of became a fan during their playoff run. So I kind of became a fan after their highest point, sadly. Uh, they haven't quite reached there since. 
So I don't know. It's been maybe the fantasy thing's been kicking in. I got a little Denny Carter in me, but I'm kind of like, well, I'm like a fan of the football and it's okay. I have some other stuff, but do I have to, you know, be a diehard fan? Do I have to live and die with everything they do? I hope not, because the last five years have been a long death. So yeah, since about uh, yeah, right when Dyson ended up a yard short, that's right about when I started on the dark path. I think that's when I had my first three beers on that on that very pass. I was I was of course of age at that time, guys. Um, so I, I want to take a step back to uh, Chicago. Was that like fifteen? Yeah, no, fourteen, fifteen years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I um I did pay attention in Dare though, for what it's worth. Um, so how can fantasy oh, owners man. that are listening to this, how can they, you know, leverage your interview series to win a championship for their fantasy league? What, what are, what are some of the, you know, key questions that you ask a lot of the guests that, that you're interviewing? Well, I think the key question that'll get you to know everything you need to know about another person, it's not play a hand of poker with them. It's ask them the question, what do they think about more fantasy football or sex? <laughs> and if they answer honestly... And you know who you're dealing with. I, I mean, really what I'm getting out of the series is just everybody in the industry that I've reached out to has been very approachable and very nice, and they've answered the questions, and even the, you know, embarrassing ones about their personal life, and that's that's been good. So it's, you can reach out to people and ask them questions, and even if you ask the, how do, who do I start over and over again, people usually will, will respond to you because it's still a relatively small community. I know millions and millions of people play, but not millions and millions of people are as obsessed as we are. So we're like, hey, we got this other person who has this same obsession I do. It's great. Instead of, you know, putting us in a home, we can actually, you know, communicate with each other and get along and pretend to, you know, get along in society. So it's great. It's not that, you know, we don't ever have any drama on Twitter or anything like that. That definitely doesn't exist. I don't know. I I enjoy it when he gets that a lot of hand. (laughs) <laughs> I mean the, yeah, the Josh Gordon thing was you, you knew it was going to be going to be a rough afternoon. Did did you ever see the Tim Wright thing coming? Uh, we we knew Tim Wright was going to get traded and that was going to become a Twitter debate. Could that be the downfall of Belichick when he has a full fifty three man roster that all went to Rutgers? That could be a problem. <laughs> so uh, Greg Schiano is uh, telling him what to do. I'm just saying that might not be a great move. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Tim Wright seems like a he needed to get out. I don't think he was fitting in the new offense. I don't know if he's going to fit in New England. It's weird because that Belichick trade was a lot like a dynasty trade. Like, he was doing something you don't do in the NFL. It's like, you have a player who's good, but he's getting toward the end of his career, and you get rid of him while he has value to get a younger guy, and hopefully that guy helps. And they got a draft pick, and teams don't trade draft picks very often. I mean, he got a draft pick for a salad fork out of his back, Randy Moss, so... And, uh, yes, rumors are true. Randy Moss actually did play for the Titans once. <laughs> he used to wear the jerseys, which I'm not sure why they would do that. Like, no, we didn't draft Kevin Dyson. It's the alternate universe, so we really drafted Randy Moss, and he actually scored the touchdown. Yeah. Leave it up to Bill Belichick to give us the model for, you know, what, what type of trades that we're supposed to be making in Dynasty and, and getting, <laughs> getting rid of uh, an aging vet that's on his way out the door for – you know, maybe somebody that's promising. Who knows what that situation is? Who knows if he's even going to see the field? But uh, I know one thing: he's better than Michael Huminawanaway. 
That's for sure. Yeah, and I think I think just to talk on that trade briefly, you know, I, I think it fits the needs for both the teams. I mean, the Bucks need an offensive lineman, and the Titan and the picking up a backup tight end. I'm interested in what the Titans have to offer this year and going forward, Zach. You know, I got to bring it up with you. How you do? Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, we've got 20 minutes penciled in, so Ooh. you know, let's talk about Dexter McCluster for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> yes, let's do it, Dexter McCluster, and we'll skip the last part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they went out on purpose and they signed uh, McCluster to a. I mean, for a free agent, a pretty big contract, and it really looks like he's going to be their Danny Woodhead, and the sad part is he's, yeah, like the poor man's version of a guy who wasn't even drafted and barely made an NFL roster, but he also had, like, 76 catches last year. Uh, I don't know, because I I still think the Chiefs, you know, won in this whole thing, because they grabbed a guy in the draft, Anthony Thomas, who probably is better than McCluster will ever be. And so, I don't know, was he miscast as a slot receiver? Will he be able to play a running back? I know he's happy to be a running back again, and he'll probably get five date touches, but yeah, maybe a flex guy, maybe a bye week guy for you in fantasy. Um, it's hard to say what's going to happen in fantasy with the running game. I kind of feel Do like that was a that... lead-in to the, to the old Batman series. Will the Joker get caught on the next episode? Find out on Batman. With Dexter McCluster. <laughs> well, you find out that Dexter McCluster isn't that good. Yes, next <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, Asher, go ahead. No, I was just going to simply say, is this a situation, that, in your opinion, where McCluster is going to be a better NFL player than fantasy player? Probably. Um, no, it's, it's tough with running backs. You, know, you have these guys in different roles. So if you have a guy like him who might get four to six catches a week, that actually is, you know, almost like ten points you can pencil in. That's not necessarily bad. But the, you know, it's going to cost you anything. You can get him in the last round of your draft. I don't know how much upside he's going to have because I think in four NFL years he has like five touchdowns. So you can't exactly call him that explosive playmaker. Uh, but maybe compared to the other guys, it just depresses me that it sounds like Sean Green's going to get the first touch. So... Look forward to uh, the Titans. What are they going to do on second and eight or second and seven in that first drive against the Chiefs? Because uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I'm I'm pretty excited about the the passing game you guys have in Tennessee. What are your thoughts on that? We'll move away from the running game. I mean, you seem pretty bored with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just Sean Green talk. I don't know. It's hard to say. With, yeah, because Bishop Sankey's got that upside, and he seems to be kind of plummeting in drafts. I mean, he was like a like a fourth-round pick, and I just saw him in a keeper draft go in the seventh, so he's kind of coming into that, that realm, but I think it's hard to imagine him not being the guy by the end of the year, just based on Sean Green's being Sean Green and his having knee injuries and all that. But yeah, you, you look at the Titans passing game, you get, you get more excited because you have a PPR machine in Kendall Wright, um, you have a guy who will annoy you every third week in fantasy terms in Nate Washington. And, of course, you have uh, the explosive Justin Hunter, who I think has, like, 34 catches in preseason and regular season at eight touchdowns. So that's a nice ratio. You like that. You like the tall, fast dude who might actually finally be recovering from that ACL injury. And, yeah, you just wonder 
the quarterback situation, of course, makes you nervous because Jake Lockers is not that accurate, and he tends to, uh, you know, run into linebackers and get hurt. Chewie's here for a visit. Hey, Dunn. Say hi. What up, everybody? <laughs> he doesn't like football. Do you, do you all think any of the uh... Do you think any of the injury issues with Locker and stuff have been, like, related to the offensive line? And now that you guys have probably one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, do you have, you know, more faith that Tennessee can actually protect Locker and give him time? Well, the bizarre thing about Locker is it's not like he has gets the same injury over and over again. It's always something different. I have to say our um, slightly green offensive coordinator last year did not do the teams any favors because he got hurt and then they ran like an option play for him and that's when he got the injury at the end of his season. He, even in preseason, he'll like initiate contact. And you know quarterbacks that do that. Like you saw RG3 like pinball off two guys. You're like, quarterbacks shouldn't be doing that in the NFL just unless you're a tank like Newton and even he gets hurt. It's not good when that happens. So they're definitely going to limit him running the ball. And they've really stocked up. It'd be great if they had a six-man offensive line because you know they drafted a left tackle and they don't necessarily need one yet. But yeah, the line the line looks good, and he for the most part looks like a quarterback. Just every third or fourth pass, he seems to miss the broad side of the barn. So we're hoping we can limit those off-target passes, or just have a bunch of receivers who can catch them. And Wright's not too bad at catching the passes; a little bit off. So let's say Locker stays healthy. Is it his job completely to lose? And if you know, what are, what are your what are your thoughts on Zach Mettenberger over there in Tennessee? And I mean, is he the long term? I don't want to say solution, but is he the long term guy that's probably going to get the crack as early as twenty fifteen? Zach Whataburger. I was. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so he was a guy who had like an ACL tear in November, and then he got like some kind of drug test issue at the combines. You're like, okay. Um, but he had a strong arm and he recovered quickly. Basically what happened is the Titans don't uh, seem for the preseason game. So against the Saints, Kenny Vaccaro came in for a safety blitz and they absolutely just let him go. And he crushed, um, he crushed Whitehurst and like broke his pinky finger. So because of that, Mettenberg is getting more, uh, snaps in preseason than he probably would have otherwise. And he's looked good, and he's been throwing it to, you know, he had that one touchdown to Justin Hunter. And um, so, he's yeah, he's looked pretty good. Um, he's not the scrambling quarterback. He's definitely a pocket guy like Rivers. So I think the Titans at least have a future backup. I'm not sure about him as a starter long term, but, hey, so far, you know, returns are good, and it's nice to see, you know, a, a rookie actually playing well in, in preseason because the rest of their rookies have kind of blended in so far. So do you think the impact on, let's say, you know, this is going to be Locker, everybody's down on him, but to your point, he's always been injured, and it's not like he hasn't been a fantasy producer just because of his legs, and when he does play outside of that, you know, that game script, he he does fairly well, at least in getting the ball out of his hands down the field. So if Locker sticks around to be the quarterback, does he help Justin Hunter's game a little bit more? Or, you know, does he hurt that game? And I guess what is, what is what is your value proposition of both Kendall Wright and Justin Hunter in scenario one with Jake Locker versus Zat Mettenberger and the other? Gosh, and I, I just happened to have both those guys in my dynasty league. I'm not sure how that happened. I, I pulled a Titans. I actually traded up in last year's second round to get Hunter. 
Um, so yeah, now I have the uh, the, the duo. Uh, I don't know. I think Locker. It's like his upside is what to be like a middling quarterback. They only have a couple of middling quarterbacks who won Super Bowls lately. So maybe I don't know. I can't say what the defense is going to do. But Hunter is just as great talent. It's can he put it together and can the team stop doing the Bill Parcells like putting the jag on the back of the jersey during a practice session to motivate him. Um, you can you can treat football players like adults. It's totally cool. So we'll see how, how all that works out, uh, depending on the quarterback. I still think Mettenberger is a long-term backup, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Everybody's kind of overvaluing. And just, I mean, he's having a good preseason, but the game where he came back to win the game, he had two turnovers before that. That's one of those things that everybody forgets. Like, when a quarterback usually makes a comeback, the reason why the team is losing is usually because of the quarterback. So it goes both ways. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. But at least, yeah, I don't think it would be too excited about Charlie Whiters coming in. I think the crowd would be, woo SEC, if Zach Mettenberger came in. If, you know, the uh, supposedly inevitable injury happens for, for Locker. One more time. And you know he's wearing number 10, so I'll tell an embarrassing personal story. I have... A Vince Young, you know, number 10 jersey. And then when Locker took over, I just got the nameplate switched. So if Locker blows it up, I think the Titans can never use the number 10 ever again. Just, it has to be, like, can you retire a number for bad reasons? Because that, that, I think they'd have to do that. Back in the day, John Madden football, I'd use the Tennessee Titans, and I'd, I'd use Vince Young, Lendell, Fat Lendell White, and Chris Johnson. Oh, yeah. And I, and I wouldn't even throw the ball. People online just absolutely hated me because I would just run it all game long, and, they, and nobody was able to stop it. So Justin Hunter, obviously it's not the time to buy him right now, but let's say you're in a position where you can afford to overpay a little bit. What are you willing to to accept if Justin Hunter, you know, somebody tries to snag Justin Hunter away from you? What would you need? I don't know. I, it's a weird position because you – in Dynasty, it's all about that potential. So, in a way, it's like, well, maybe you have this narrow window, like Kristen Michael. You could get an amazing package for him right now because he's done has done a thing. He didn't really do a thing in college either. And Justin Hunter didn't necessarily blow it up in college. You know, he tore his ACL. So you could get probably a mid to high first round pick for him. And you're like, well, there's some good running backs in the draft next year. So uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's like I'm wondering if he's a guy who might score a lot of touchdowns but not have a lot of total catches. So is he going to be a a weekly starter for you? So you might have a chance to get him, get a good pick for him, and this might be a chance to sell high, as opposed to um, you know keeping on long term. You just have to think. Well, Titans offense long term. Hmm. I mean, if they absolutely stink this year, they can get a really good quarterback next year, and then you'd be like, woohoo! But we'll 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 see if that happens. I think they're going to be like the Bills and stay in the middle for a while. You know, go seven to nine, get the number eight pick every year. What are your thoughts on this one, Ashman? Um, what would you need for somebody to pry away Justin Hunter from you? Uh, I like her. I'm I'm probably not not trading him. I might be in the minority at this point. Um, he's big, he's athletic, you know, to me it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is there, whether it's Locker who hasn't looked bad in preseason or it's, you know, Mettenberger or whoever they draft next year. Um, I think Hunter has the body type and size to be that wide receiver one there. I, I would keep him. 
Yeah, I, th- I think I'm with you on that one. I paid a 1.6 for him um, in the offseason before preseason <clears throat> started. Um, it, it wouldn't have happened during the preseason, I, I, I'd venture to say. So Bishop Sankey, Zach, uh, I know we were done with the running back, but I, I want to talk about him because he's uh, pretty, pretty polarizing right now because, of course, Sean Green's going to get the nod, but is he going to keep the nod? Is he able to stay healthy? And, you know, just by de facto, who's the next man up? Is Bishop Sankey eventually going to get his chance? And is this the coaching staff simply – yeah, lighting a fire under under him a little bit more, burying him on the depth chart. But when you take a look at the depth chart, yes, he's buried. But should Sean Green just be Sean Green or get injured, Leon Washington and Dexter McCluster aren't built to take early down work. So Bishop Sankey jumps from four to at the top. So I don't know. I'm kind of thinking this is a great opportunity to take the offseason buzzkill and go out and buy him right now. What What are your thoughts on this one, Zach? Yeah, I think it's a good a good time to buy. Anytime the uh, boring veteran is getting the start, you're like, oh, this is a good time to pick up a guy. So that, that's what's kind of cool about Dynasty is if a player is not looking good, it's like, ooh, chance to buy. Or if a player is looking a little too hyped, you're like, oh, chance to sell. It does seem like, I mean, they took him as the first. They had a choice of any running back they wanted in the rookie class, and they even traded down in the second round, and they picked him. And he's such a strange, polarizing guy because, you know, a site like Rotoviz that does all the, you know, ninja stat stuff really just loved him. And then people who watched his film were like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. It was really hard to tell ultimately what he's going to be in the pro. And you've seen him make some good plays, of course, you know, in the second half of preseason games. And then again, he, he didn't have a fumble recently. But I just don't think he's, I don't think Sean Green's going to hold him off forever. He's going to be a guy you can get and he'll probably be a starter toward the end of the year because he's not, you're right about, yeah, Dexter McCluster is not going to get starter carries. He'll get cut in two uh, pretty soon. He'll get hurt quicker than Jake Locker um, <laughs> if that were the case. So he's going to be the guy and, yeah, take advantage of that. I mean, I did a dynasty startup, you know, two, three months ago, one of those ones Ryan McDowell does. And I got him in the fourth round. He was my first running back, and I was feeling pretty good about that pick. And, uh, I don't know, he's probably sliding down in, in rookie drafts a bit. Although, let's see, what is he, fifth overall in my league? I wasn't even, like, with all the receivers this year, I wasn't even thinking, like, of the possibility of taking a running back. And usually I do no matter what, because you seem like, even though you don't like him overall, you, 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 need, you need them. You need bodies. But I think, yeah, Sankey's going to be should be the guy and you know maybe it takes a few you know, a month or two for him to become the starter but he'll, he'll be the guy asher are those your uh sentiments as well i agree although i'm curious to see what you think as you tried to pawn him off on me in the fake pigskin dynasty draft this past week yeah oh, it, <laughs> I, I i drafted him i drafted him it's uh <laughs> it's a deep league uh, how many teams are in this one 14 or 16 14. asher it's 14 because I doubled down on quarterback, knowing I can probably trade one later. Yeah, he was the best guy on the board for me at that time, and I took him in the fifth round. So it was the end of the fifth round in a 14-team league, and and I took him. But, you know, I, I typically do like to punt the running back position altogether. So I thought, you know, maybe I can turn Sankey into, you know, a, a late-round wide receiver talent 
that people aren't high on right now like Allen Robinson because he's got the the hamstring injury and things of that nature and and maybe you know get a high second round type of talent along with it say Austin Safarian Jenkins where he's been getting valued so it didn't work um I'm still absolutely <laughs> bought in on Sankey though um but it was just it was just my <laughs> philosophy in terms of of a, a startup draft um you know I I was just more than okay with him and the value he presented on the board at that time. Um, you know, myself and I want to say uh, Shane P. Hallam, uh, you know, both also do take a look at a lot of the film stuff, and we both pretty much saw a lot of the same stuff. Yes, he looked a little indecisive when he went for the hole. Yes, it seemed like he possibly hit the wrong hole or didn't necessarily know where he should be going. But if you head over to footballstudyhall.com and you do look at some of the ninja stats over there, you'll see that that Washington offensive line was absolutely putrid and everything that Bishop Sankey did he really did on his own no credit to the offensive line Uh, if you go back and watch that tape and just look at the offensive line you'll see why Sankey looks a little blah uh, on tape Um, so the combine is what did it in for me and why you know when he came in and had the combine like Christian Michael that pretty much gave me what I needed to know in conjunction with the Tennessee draft to say he, he's a keeper for me in Dynasty. It's so, funny, that's the same thing. Like, Jake Locker at Washington, they were like 1-11 the first year. It's like, they didn't have much when he was there either. I was like, what's the deal? Washington's like a you know, pretty solid program, but they, yeah, they seem like they've struggled with the skill guys, or with the in-the-trenches guys. Right. So Delaney Walker, is he the tight end of the future? Um, I actually thought that they were possibly going to take a look at bringing in another tight end uh granted delaney walker has certainly been more than serviceable and i almost called taylor thompson ted thompson taylor thompson um <laughs> I, I think it's safe to assume we can give up on that project there. <laughs> yeah there we go ted thompson in tennessee that'll get things turned around quickly <laughs> what are you what are you doing at tight end over there zach is there, is there any change to be made here in the near future or i guess they're just perfectly content enough with the position well when they signed Delaney Walker last year I was like what the belief are they doing kind of with Bernard Pollard too I'm like okay we're signing you know veterans but they needed that leadership in the locker room and he is a pretty good two two way tight end I mean he caught 60 some passes but the more I looked at it the more I was like well it's weird because last year I think the other two tight ends had like seven catches total so he got the majority of the catches I still think he could get 60 catches this year, but I'm not very excited. I think he was one of those guys I thought, ooh, that could be a value tight end too in fantasy, but I'm kind of backing off on that. Uh, They did, they have been targeting Taylor Thompson a lot. I think he might lead the team in catches in the preseason, because I was was wondering, I think it was Sigmund Bloom who was loving on him, so I picked him up my dynasty team, and I've been holding on to him. I mean, I was the guy who traded for Julius Thomas's rookie year, and I was like, I am about to give up on this dude, and he, you know, came through for me. I don't think Taylor Thompson's going to do that, but at least he might move up to number two in the team. But yeah, the thought of him being a, a breakout guy is probably not going to happen. Uh, Delaney Walker might be the—I don't know if he'll be like the number four, number three target this year. I mean, he'll be useful, but I, I don't know. He's almost—you know—he's not one of those new age pass, catch only, non-block guys, so because he can block a lot, and the team, I think, wants to run a lot, he's 
probably not going to have a, a super high upside, and I think he's still signed for another couple of years. So, yeah, Taylor Thompson, unless you have really deep, you know, rosters like I do, it's like, yeah, he, he might not uh, pan out unless, you know, he ends up going to, like, a second team. I guess the question for Thompson is that, you know, he is a converted defensive end. So with those tight ends, we usually look at, like, a two to three, sometimes even four-year development. So is that something you could say that Thompson is excelling at the point he's at, this is going into year three for him, if I'm not, if I'm correct. Yeah, this is um, definitely his third year. Yeah, he was a, a, a strange prospect, something that doesn't happen in the NFL very often, a guy who switches positions. Because he was a high school tight end, then he went to SMU, and they're like, hey, by the way, we don't have the tight end. So he was a defensive end and actually pretty good. And then he switched over during, I think, one of the All-Star games. And, mm-hmm. yeah, the Titans traded up to get him, and... They seem to like the trade-up at the end of drafts. They did that this year with Mettenberger, too. And he had hope. He had, had a weird play like his rookie year where he was wide open and a deep pass, but he looked like he had never caught a pass in his life, and he couldn't adjust to the ball. So he, he still got a little bit of the you know athletic side to him, and he definitely blocks well. He's a really good special teams guy, so he'll definitely stick there. So you know, some of these guys, especially at tight end, where you have to do more than one like running back, it's just kind of instinct. But yeah, as a tight end, you really have to learn to play the position. And they had Craig Stevens as the number two guy who's been a really good blocker. And so maybe if they can get him out of the way, he'll be the number two. So I could definitely see two tight ends on the field a lot, and uh, not necessarily just for blocking purposes. So I was like, yeah, I wait and see, get another year. He's still kind of on the on the edge there. Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw Ladarius Green last year in San Diego, you know, start to emerge. And I'm not comparing Thompson to Green because I don't think athletically they're, you know, even close. But uh, we did see Wisenhunt use that more talented, younger, athletic player. Um, and maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but I, per- I think, you know, in the next year or two we're going to see Thompson, you know, become way more valuable than, than Walker and carve out a significant role in that offense. But that's just... My own opinion. Um, what do you think with Wisenhunt coming in? Is that a possibility, or you know, is it a pipe dream for me? <laughs> well, I hope Wisenhunt is a is a flexible guy because in the first half of last year, Rivers was just throwing the ball over the place, and then the second half of the year, they became a really conservative run first team because their defense was you know, horrible, so they had to keep them off the field, and they kind of adjusted for what they needed and. I don't think Wisenhunt's been a very big target, the tight end guy, until he went to San Diego and had a Hall of Fame guy and then this young Ladarius guy. But as daily fantasy players know, he you know had some great weeks, and then he totally sucked after that. Like They stopped targeting him. So I could see him trying to use Thompson because he'll, he'll have an advantage. I mean, he'll be going against you know not a very good pass-defending player. Defender, whenever it happens to be in the game, so that's a you know a matchup he'll exploit, and we'll see if he can uh, yeah move up move up the charts. I mean, they didn't draft anybody, so yeah, if anybody else on the roster, he should be the guy. I'm sad to say my uh, Missouri guy Chase Kaufman's just trying to make the team as a fourth tight end at this point. It's so sad. I mean, Missouri had like three straight All-American tight ends, and none of them have done anything. In the NFL. It's sad. I, I think it's safe to say that Taylor Thompson is going to break up, uh, break up, break out because I dropped him. I dropped Man, him everywhere. You're on a roll tonight. I know, I know. It must be, it must be all this diet brisk tea. Mmm, mm, tasty. The official tea of thick, thick skin. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Getting a little half, half of the thick. 
Yeah, maybe I should switch and to an a, official a John beer Daly. too if you want. I don't know. Maybe oh, a John we Daly. We can spend a long time talking about beer. We'll have to spend a few minutes at the end once we're done talking football. I want to ask you guys about a couple different situations going on right now. Uh, we we let off the show with a, a corny little Sam Bradford joke, but what, what are you guys doing with the rest of the St. Louis offense right now? Sean Lee, um, Sean Lee, Sean, Sean Hill, there I go again, is now going to be the default de facto quarterback here. He, he looked pretty good in Detroit, but, you know, he's like another 15 years older since then. Kenny Britt is looking to maybe make his resurgence, and uh, Brian Quick, uh, yes, know. Brian Quick is, is is back in the preseason hype here. So, is there anything to be had here with the St. Louis Rams offense, and is it really as bad as we think with Sam Bradford going down, or does it not matter? Zach, we'll start with you. Well, there's one positive angle to this before I get into any of the Jeff Fisher stuff. Zach Stacy put up his best numbers of the year after Bradford got hurt. I mean, it was Kellen Clemens and hand him the ball 30 times a game, whether it was working or not. And uh, he eventually broke through and had some good numbers. Yeah, you just remember, remember Jeff Fisher's, uh, you know, skill position history with the Titans, especially drafting wide receivers. Didn't go very well. I have a feeling I, I see this headline, you know, from 2015, like the Stephen Hill talk. Rams try to trade Brian Quick for anything. So, yeah, we'll see. He's, he's like a preseason all-star. He keeps, he keeps coming back, you know, like, uh, like Jason from Friday the 13th to haunt <laughs> your fantasy dreams. And I've heard a lot of good things about Kenny Britt. I just know Kenny Britt, and um, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of, for even 25 years old, a little bit broken down. And plus, are they really going to throw the ball that much to make him that valuable? I mean, they, they signed Jerry Cook to this giant contract, and then they didn't really target him like a number one tight end. So I don't know what that offense, the Brian Schottenheimer, you know, you can talk about vertical passing games. Their passing game is horizontal. So do that with that as you wish. Sean Lee is doing the horizontal shuffle. Asher, what's your take? Sean Hill. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I... Either one. I got the broken ACL. It could probably be that's a great Um, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't really don't think it changes much. I don't, I don't think we've ever seen enough from Bradford to know that he could support anyone better than Sean Hill can. I mean, I don't really care. Sean Hill's been in the league for thirty years. It, it doesn't really matter at this point. I don't, I didn't, haven't been a fan of St. Louis's offensive weapons outside of their running backs. I think, kind of like what Zach said, it, it, it's really bolsters. Stacy's value at this point, and to an extent, even Trey Mason, because you know they're going to run the ball. Um, and especially in that division, I, I don't see them throwing, and I think their their game is going to be ball, you know, game ball control. And um, they have a pretty good defense, and they have a great offensive line. So I, I don't really think there's a huge, you know, loss with Bradford. I mean, none of us even know what he could do over the course of a whole season because he hasn't played one. Yeah, There's yeah, good two point. Two more than Jeff, than uh, Jake Locker, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I'm probably on the uh, the only one, uh, a little bit on the other side of the fence. I I think their offense is still going to be pretty darn bad. Um, I do think that Sean Hill is an upgrade over Kellen Kellen Moore. Kellen Clemens, excuse me. There I am on a roll again. He, he's Clemens. no good. Yeah, see, I can't even remember his name. <laughs> 
He doesn't even know how to throw touchdowns. Why should I remember his name? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, I, I think Hill's going to come in and be able to do that a little bit more. I do think that, you know, just, just Kenny Britt and Brian Click are, are better than anything they had last year. Um, and you don't have to pay anything to acquire these guys maybe a third round pick um i'm still the loser that's hanging on to kenny Britt after the last three or four years um unlike taylor thompson so yeah i'm still gonna hang on hang in there for one more season because frankly it doesn't cost me anything to do so rg3 has also looked like he doesn't know how to play quarterback anymore uh so what are you guys doing with uh the washington skill position players um obviously it's a new offense and jay gruden looks to be forcing the issue with griffin as a pocket passer is that going to remain or is he really just testing griffin to see what he can and cannot do in the in the regular season and just going to kind of go back to letting rg3 do his thing uh asher we'll start with you i for one know that that griffin can't slide i mean we we all saw that (laughs) that tuck and roll he did tonight um you know so i think at this point, Cousins has outplayed him. You're never going to have Cousins start. It's just not going to happen. Um, and if you listen to a lot of the, the pressers with RG3, it's pretty funny, and they've been talking about it on sports radio here in Orlando, is that every, every time he struggles, it's a we issue, and we as a team need to work harder, and we need to get chemistry, and then anytime there's success, he flips it around to you know I. So it's really a question as to what RG3 is doing. I don't want him on any of my fantasy teams. I think he's going to get hurt um, if he doesn't move. And you kind of cut out on that last uh, sentence there, Asher. What was the last thing you said? Ah, oh, damn. He said he sucks. I said <laughs> he, <laughs> he's going to get hurt. So you know he's going to get hurt if he if he doesn't you know change his game and be more skilled as a pocket passer or learn an appropriate way to to get out of bounds and get down without getting hit. Zach, are you in uh, agreement for the most part? I just did a, a draft for the weekend, and I got Jordan Reed as an eighth or ninth tight end, and I about it, and then, yeah, I'm not feeling so good based on the offense. I was kind of surprised to see RG3 being, like, he was, like, the six or seven quarterback off the board in a lot of redrafts, and I just thought, after last year, really, just with the depth of quarterback, I, I thought he'd be a borderline starter, you know, backup guy. You think Andy Dalton would be ranked ahead of him? So it seems like they've stacked it up. They have a lot of great skill position guys. Just a matter of who, uh, yeah, they're going to put it together. And you know, new offense. Don't know what to do. RG three hasn't heard a lot of negative stuff in his career, so maybe he's not handling that well. So yeah, we'll see. And if you say we'll see, that means we should see another quarterback on your roster. So the word on the street is Alfred Morris. As unsexy as that is, Alfred Morris is is the play, at least for the short term here. Yeah, I think I'm still okay rostering RG3. Um, it's that distinction between real football and fantasy football. It's like you, you want to start him, but don't watch the freaking game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't watch the game. Just hope he makes it to the end of the game and you got 20 fantasy points and and make sure you have a really solid backup quarterback that can get in there and start for 3 weeks straight as well. Um I think it'll turn around. I think it I think it's going to come back a little bit. I think, you know, the the prospects don't look extremely good and I think the draft hype he'll never live up to at this point. 
Uh, he was never as good as Andrew Luck. Uh, so it'll be interesting. But, you know, if you're a quarterback needy team, I, I think, you know, you can do worse to go out and buy somebody like RG3 on a discount right now because you're probably going to get uh, a larger discount because their, their owner is going to be extremely nervous. Uh, just my take on that uh, one. Question, question, RG3, do you think we saw his best fantasy season as a rookie? Do you think he'll ever get back to that, or is that kind of the outlier at this point and moving forward? I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, it's probably not um, probabilistic, I'll say, but I do think you know it's somewhere in between that rookie season and and what we saw last year. He just wasn't the right you know the same same quarterback, the same runner, and now he's you know being asked to learn a new system. And, and play, you know, within Gruden's system. And, you know, I think we see this time and time again in the NFL is that coaches' system is the system, and that's what it is. And, and the players have to adapt to the coach's system, and it doesn't really make a whole ton of sense. I get the system as a system for a reason, but I think, you know, some coaches need to learn a little bit more flexibility in terms of making adjustments to what the player does well. And I just don't see Jay Gruden as being that guy. So who knows? Maybe they end up um, rolling with Kirk Cousins and RG3 finds himself in Oakland or someplace like that. And who knows? Maybe, maybe that actually helps them out. So, Zach, you're writing over at fantasysports.org now. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing over there and uh, what everyone can look forward to? Well, it worked out pretty well as an opportunity just because uh, you know, I've been doing the interview series, which is basically kind of like me covering the industry. So that's what the site's all about, is covering the fantasy industry. And as we know, no other sports exist, so it's all about football. So that's really what I've, I've been doing. I've been trying to continue the interview series and uh, been doing articles on different kinds of leagues. This week I've been focusing on uh, like daily fantasy, that kind of landscape, and how it's just literally exploding, and the, the opportunities for people to actually make a living off this is, is kind of cool. And I did do a review of my uh, local keeper draft as well, so I try to you know keep the humor in. You know, I tried to did an article about what I thought my version of the NFL Sunday Ticket Fantasy Channel would be with some of my uh, favorite fantasy folks, because you know you got to have the experts in there. But uh, you know, they just want the pretty people. They don't. They don't want us people who know what we're talking about. But that's uh, that's really what I'm going to be doing. I'll be you know, covering the industry and talking about uh, fantasy sports uh, throughout the, the season there and doing my interviews and uh, trying to do as many hangouts as possible too because I just can't stop and talk about football. Yeah, you just came from a, another hangout here. You're just uh, a pretty popular guy here lately. Who are you, who are you just hanging out with? Well, I've been doing a show, it's either Wednesday or Thursday, called Going for Two with uh, Sports by Sharona on uh, Twitter. And we talk, it's like half about the Titans and then half about either the NFL or fantasy football. So we kind of both cover both. And so it's just kind of fun to, to bounce back and forth. You know, she's in Nashville and here in Atlanta, so we can meet up when we get up to uh, the home opener against the mighty Cowboys and their Civ Light defense. Very cool indeed. So I'd say by this point you probably have at least a couple beers in you. So that's good. And yeah, that's a normal Wednesday night, right? Yeah, and now <laughs> that leads us into Thursday night football. So I, I think that gives us all an excuse to uh, crack crack a couple open here. 
So, uh, Asher, any any last-minute words of wisdom to the crowd that you want to share or any other questions for Zach? No, I got a, I got a couple questions for Zach, if that's cool. Ooh. Um, no, no, just so uh, so you, you shared what you were drinking tonight, but what are what are some kind of seasonal go-to beers you enjoy during football season? Well, I brought my favorite number one draft pick beer to my uh, fantasy draft this weekend. That's the Corson Donk Double. I like the brown ales, and that's uh, basically drunken monks in Belgium make it, and they've been making it for like 400 years, and it's ridiculously good. And to have a beer that you can open with a cork, that just you know, makes it all nice. I'm a little confused because the seasons and beers are a little off. Like you, you get summer beers in spring and like it's August and you're already seeing pumpkin beers. Uh, there's like a special one out of uh, Houston that I, I got from uh, Jody's Jody Smith, I think it was, and it was a uh, St. Arnold's and it was really, really good. It was like an entire pumpkin pie in beer form. So that was nice. <laughs> But yeah, I like to like to mix it like to mix it up on football season. Yeah, football and beer goes together like football and beer. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and then I, I guess finally, um, and this is the only marquee game that because uh, I'm from Orlando, so a Central Florida guy. Um, the only marquee oh. game UCF has on their schedule is uh, is Missouri this year. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? You think the Knights have a chance, or are you guys going to blow them out at home? Hmm. You should uh, meet up with uh, Ryan Hester from Football Guys because he's another uh, Orlando guy. You know, Missouri went to UCF, what was it, two years ago? And literally at the half, I think Central Florida had like 20 first downs. But Missouri had a couple of fluke long touchdowns to beat them. It's hard to say what they are because, you know, it was a lot of the Blake Borrell show last year. So we'll we'll see because Missouri usually – Blows one of their uh, out of conference games. Last year was a rare, yeah. you know. They were actually confident for you know the whole season. <laughs> that loss, yeah. Carolina still hurts. Although I don't think they had a chance. I think Auburn was going to beat them no matter what. But I, I think it's going to be competitive. Yeah, Missouri doesn't know they're in the SEC yet because they scheduled a game at Toledo. I'm like you're in the SEC, you don't go to Max Bowls. <laughs> but hey, you know. It's hard to say, but hey, you won, you won the festival. Well, you want to go there rather than have them come in and beat you at home. So, you know, you got to be careful with the scheduling. Yep, but hey, it's a golden era for the Golden Knights, huh? So that kind of does it for my questions. Have you got anything anything to, to kind of wrap it up, Jeremy? No, I I think at this point we'll we'll do just that. We'll wrap it up, and I'll pass it over your way, Zach, so you can throw out uh, any and all plugs and in plugs and in more plugs. So where where can we find you? What are you doing? And where should we go next? Where should we go? We should go to football season. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Zach underscore Law, and uh, yeah, fantasysports.org is where you find my writing. I'm also uh, yeah Zach Law online.com or zachonsports.com although that site is kind of quiet at the moment i'm not sure if i'm going to continue doing kind of beer reviews like i did last year you know put those up somewhere because you know, there's still a few beers out there that i haven't tried gotta complete my set before you know there's like it's like finishing the internet you don't finish beer you just keep keep you know <laughs> more come out so yeah zach underscore a lot twitter that's you'll find me there and uh, Pretty much more often than you should. 
Awesome. Well, Zach is uh, definitely a great pal in the fantasy football community. Uh, the best fantasy follow Friday giver of 140 characters. So if you find yourself on that list, uh, give yourself a hat tip and give Zach a hat tip back because he is certainly a, a well-renowned fantasy football pundit in the community so with that we will uh turn you all away until next week we are almost there guys and gals football is back you can find me at fantasy gumshoe you can find asher at real abc check out the draft guide on fakepigskin.com backslash guide get your copy today i read it two thumbs up peace out you really want to know what love is yeah yes tell us More than anything in the world, Ron. Well, it's really quite simple. It's kind of like... Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite. Looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Rubbing sticks and stones together make a sparks ignite. And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting. Sky rockets in flight. Woo! Afternoon delight. Whoop! You guys have it, I think. Huh. Afternoon delight. I don't know, Ron. That sounds kind of crazy. Sounds like you have mental problems, man. Yeah, you got mental problems, man. Yeah, it really does. Man. Afternoon delight. <laughs>